All right, and welcome to the Citizens of Nastown podcast. I'm your host, TJ Landemeyer. With me as always, James O'Hara. Hello. Sean Hogan. Hi. All right, last time we talked, it was on the eve of opening day. It was so optimistic, relatively. <laughs> and the Nats current... Oh, God, I'm dying. Excuse me. <laughs> Uh, That's a, what happened to the Nats. They killed. They killed TJ. Apparently, yes. And it took forty-five seconds into this podcast. Perfect. Weird performance art uh, commentary. <laughs> uh, yeah, it it has not gone well so far. Um, started the opening series with the Mets, uh, losing three straight and not looking particularly competitive at all uh the sunday game was okay though yeah yeah Hopefully uh unfortunately they had already lost James. yeah unfortunately they had already lost three games by then um which is the downside of <laughs> uh, at least get don't start the season unfeated uh i think otherwise the only other positive i saw out of that series is uh K. Bear ruiz started it off pretty hot he was really swinging the bat well. Yeah. Uh, at, le- at least the first two games, I think he had multiple hits. Both of those games. Uh, the downside is that definitely seemed to just be kind of a smokescreen because since then he has not really hit at all. Uh, and he's, uh, you probably would be surprised to know Caber Ruiz's WRC plus is below people like Cesar Hernandez or Lane Thomas or Nelson Cruz. Yoza. Uh, Not below. Uh, and Riley Victor Adams Robles. as well. Sorry? Not below Victor Robles. No, nobody can be below Victor Robles. I still need to, I want to try to figure out if there's a way to search uh, Victor Robles because he had exactly 25 plate appearances uh, before today on uh, a WRC plus of negative 46. Jeez. So I'm really curious whether that is the lowest WRC plus somebody has ever had through their first 25 plate appearances. I still need to figure out whether that's something that can actually be searched on fan graphs um, or if there's a way to cajole play index to give me the worst hitters through 25 and then I can, you know, calculate it, try to calculate it on my own. But I'm going to hazard a guess that that's one of the worst WRC pluses for a, a batter through their first 25 plate appearances to start a season. And that includes earlier today when he at least had a double. Does not does not include his double. So hopefully he will. Uh, so it was, it was before it was last night as of last night's game, which didn't exist. Oh, man, so. he's he's at a scorching negative 25 now. Yeah, see, there you go. See that it's a negative 25. You're like, well, I think I've probably seen somebody that badly before. Yeah, but negative Victor 46. Was before yesterday. Negative 46 is where you're really getting into the, how is that possible? Like uh, the only yeah. other people you see that negative guys like Lucius Fox, where they don't really have any plate appearances and haven't gotten a hit yet. And so it's like, oh, well, you're negative 100. That's as low as we can go. We cap you there. So to get that close to negative 100 while actually playing, you know, having a significant amount of play appearances uh, is absurd. What was Scherzer's last year? Last year? Uh, let me look. When he had like that really bad. Yeah. It was negative. Uh, I just looked it up. It was negative 163 plate appearances. Well, that's because he went 
zero 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 for sixty three of played appearances. <laughs> With one RBI though. Yeah, see there you go. I think Robles has more RBI, so <laughs> he somehow so. figured out although I don't know, maybe before last night. They might all be today. Um my God, why will you not go back to what I want to look at? So I wanted to look at Cape Ruiz more. <laughs> yeah, three through yesterday. What is going on with my computer? Okay, well. This is broken. I've so broken Fangrass. Look, which... Trying to look at the 2022 Nationals breaks Fangrass. It doesn't let you do it. I was looking at it. I switched away, and they said, oh, thank goodness he's not trying to look at that anymore. And I said, okay, well, let me go back. And they're like, no, you're not allowed to go back. Uh, there you go. Paper Ruiz. Uh, yeah, so he had uh, two hits, two hits, zero, one, one, two, zero, zero. So, yeah, yeah like I said, uh, started off hot. And then did nothing of note and is now not really doing that well uh, comparatively. So hopefully he can turn it back around. Uh, we'll see. But uh, it was a little disappointing because through this, I think the first weekend, if we had recorded last week, I think one of the key talking points would have been, you know, hey, here's one bright spot. Uh, Kaber Ruiz is looking pretty good. Uh, he still looks good on that. He's throwing out a lot of runners on the base pass. Uh, he's looking pretty good at catcher, but. Uh, you know, he's really the Nationals picked him up for his hitting ability, so that's what we really need to see start coming through more strongly soon. Yeah, I think the only bright spot that we have right now is uh, is Sean Doolittle. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to see if it um, held true through today, but as of last night, he had not allowed a base runner. Yeah, he's looked really good. Um, Ronald's been lights out too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's also yeah. looked like he's actually got the high fastball going again. So it's it's not even like last year he had some good stats at points in the season, but he also still didn't really have the higher fat. You know, had the lower fastball velocity like he had had in 2020, and was still having trouble, you know, really hitting the pitches he had done in the past, and was kind of changing what pitches he was throwing and you know, decreasing his fastball percentage uh, to try to compensate in 2021. Uh, this year, he's, he's throwing a lot more of the fastball again uh, and actually getting it up in the zone. And he's got it. Uh, he got at least, I think the strikeout of Cano was on the high fastball. I think he has one other, one or two other kind of notable strikeouts uh, on the high fastball, which would be really nice because uh, that would make it very easy for him to be traded if he has good stats and is also you know, good pitch look, uh, his pitches look a lot closer to 2019, 2018 when he was really successful. Uh, you won't get as many questions about his previous two years. If you can kind of say, well, Hey, he, you know, he's looking like when he was really good. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's certainly been a positive development. Um, one not so great development in that Met series was, uh, the ability to hang on to a baseball and put it where you want it. Yeah, uh, because I was, actually, I, was gonna about, I was about to bring that one up too when you brought up Doolittle because he did come in. I think his first appearance of the season was right after the benches clearing brawl. Well, yeah. not brawl, benches clearing, uh, clearing incident. Hugfest. Yeah. Um, I know he C-check. did come in right after that. I think that was the first time he appeared because... Um, I don't think he came I in they, on the 7th. I, right? I don't think they put him on Friday or... 
or Thursday. Oh, that was Friday. That was the Look, Friday game. Yeah. So that's so weird. It's weird to think it was a four game series and there was like a benches clearing incident because the Nats hit too many hitters. And that hit it in the that happened in the second game. <laughs> well, and like I it just I didn't get it. Like, first off, you go through that. How are you tossing C Shack and you're not tossing um Showalter? Showalter as well. Because yeah. it all it was instigated by Showalter walking out towards the mound yelling at right. <laughs> no, it was weird. It um you know, they can get mad. Nothing really, you know, it wasn't like a, a Harper Strickland fight or no. Amir Garrett or some of those other, you know, really big ones where you know, it was actually dangerous. You know, everybody kind of came out to the baseline and kind of yelled at each other from up close and then went their respective ways. Uh, and you can see the video of the multiple nationals <clears throat> didn't even go into the pile. They just walked over and talked to Francisco Lindor and, Checked up on him, like Kibe Ruiz and Juan Soto and D. Strange Gordon. I think all were over there, yeah. just hang, talking to Lindor. So, you know, how much animosity can you build up in in two games? Uh, obviously, not much. So, and you can kind of understand from the Mets' perspective the idea of obviously these weren't intentional, but what the hell? <laughs> Come on, guys, <laughs> yeah. please stop doing that. You know, after a while, there there are very limited methods of redressing grievances like that in baseball. Yeah, uh, you can kind of just be like, "Hey, you, if you guys are going to suck this much, maybe just stop trying to throw it inside." All right, just stick with pitches on the outside, and uh, we'll just all get through this series together. <laughs> so, but it, that, yeah, the one part that really you know annoyed me and didn't make sense at all. TJ is like you said that if they're going to throw out. C-Sheck for walking towards the Mets. Mm-hmm. And they also threw out the Nats third base coach for walking towards the Mets. Why Buck Showalter, the guy who started it all by walking out of his dugout at the Nationals players, was not also thrown out? It makes absolutely no sense to Well, me. and even, even more than that, what really got me was he was more... Showalter, that is, was more yeah. focused on going after C-Sheck than checking on his own guy. Yeah, right. Did he even ever go up to him? He he did at the after everybody cooled down. Okay. But that was interesting is it was not one of those situations where like he walked out to Lindor and then got up and suddenly started like yelling. Right. About no, he, it. W- he went straight for the mound. <laughs> He went right at C-Shack, and then C-Shack said, like, I was just walking back. I was walking towards him trying to yell, like, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, like, oh, you get thrown out for that. Dude, it's game two. So, yeah, well, and yeah, I think game one, they hit two people in the head and one person up high, I think. So- I-, I think there were three hit batters in the first game there were three hit batters one of which was like on a curveball in the foot like right okay right. and then the down. other two were were higher and there was like hey come on uh, yeah. uh mccann got hit twice yeah and, and then, then the alonzo was the one who took it like Mets in the shoulder make, slash face make scherzer be uh hit josh bell in the second inning uh but you could tell scherzer was only mildly enthused you know didn't really care that much about because he kind of just you know 
put a pretty easy, beefy fastball at his butt. <laughs> I was like, there you go. Retaliation over. Um, and it was it was funny to me. You Normally in those situations, you would hit the other team's best player. Uh, Scherzer refused, did not hit Soto and ended up hitting Bell instead. Uh, so that that was kind of adorable. Guess doesn't want to hit the guy he's actually friends with. I'll just hit this other guy instead. Um, so guys, you can actually do this. You can throw it at somebody without hitting them in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Here, let me show you. It's true. It could have just been the thing where Scherzer is kind of embarrassed for. You know, he's worked with a lot of these pitchers before and was teammates with them. It's like, oh, I I forgot to teach you guys how to hit a batter. Here, this is how you can hit a batter. <laughs> It's okay. Here's I'll show you how to do it. Once again, though, that's assuming they know where that ball is going to end up. Yeah. Speaking of which, on that broadcast, um, now granted, the the actual call on the Apple TV was not the best. Um, all of the actual look of it was great. But they mentioned that there were new balls being used. Is that like carry over from last year i hadn't actually heard that there was something new going on this year i haven't heard anything about them being new this year i think that is probably just carry over from last year okay um i don't think there was any supposed to be an intentional new ball this year okay i don't remember hearing that yeah yeah okay. i think that i heard that they were that they had different ones in the minors or something this year again okay. but maybe not so I, I know there had been talk in the off season about looking more into uh, what Japan has done, where they have like, you know, they have an, a, a sticky application that's like put onto the baseball in the factory um, so that you don't need uh, the pitchers don't need the you know, special stuff on their hands. They, that the baseball is more grippy. Mm-hmm. Um and I know there have been, you know, Darvish had gotten some of those baseballs and brought them in the clubhouse one time. I think it was Darvish, it might have been Otani. I think it was Darvish, though, uh, you know, was showing them around and it had gotten positive reviews from other pitchers. Uh, and I think MLB was just kind of looking, you know, one, they have contracts with Rawlings. They also have that contract with the people who put the mud on the baseballs that, you know, who knows exactly. Then that they're the only people providing that mud. Who knows what that contract looks like? And we don't know if they would still need to mud the baseball if they're also going to put this sticky substance on it. And then the question, you know, you have to figure out where they're going to source it from uh, and the cost and, and the all that. Jobs. I'm, uh, I'm just going to yeah, go out on a limb and say that MLB could afford to get out of that contract if they needed to. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. Big bucks. <laughs> it. it could be something really weird, though. That's a, the, the only thing I'm thinking is it could be like some like crazy hundred year contract or something with a giant buyout that you know MLB agreed to. Because like, well, we're never gonna have to. We're never gonna have to buy out of this. Sure, <laughs> we'll give it. To you. I was like, oh, it was dang. signed by Rob Manfred three right. years ago. <laughs> it's like, oh well. Yeah, because you could definitely see MLB doing something like that where they would sign a contract for a longer period, a ridiculously long period with a huge buyout. But the like the payments you have are like a lot lower because you're just it's guaranteed you're going to keep that contract. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, 
all the current owners would be like, sure, we'll we'll just pay that so we can pay less yearly for these, you know, for mudding the bait for the mud. Uh, and, and just, you know, we'll never hit that upfront, that clause where the buyout's high. And we'll save money this way. And you know what? At that point, you just come out and you're like, all right, this sticky stuff that is bright orange is the only shit you can use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think that, and then the only, the other question, you know, on the player's side would be that you know, the pitchers might like it. Uh, you'd just have to make sure that it wasn't messing with the position players or with the way the bat, you know, the ball was being contacted with the bat. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure the Japanese league is probably, uh, NLPB, I think. Mm-hmm. Nippon something. I can't remember. NPB. Huh? NPB. NPB. Okay. That's added an L for some reason. NPB, I'm sure they've already done that research as well, so they could probably crib off of that, but you would want to make sure that when it's making contact with the bat, that the it's not you know, getting any sort of adhesive action with the bat that uh, messes up the, the, the trajectory off the bat and makes it harder to get you know, hits or messes with the distance of your hits. Uh, you'd also want to make sure that if it's still sticky when it gets to the fielder that it's not messing with fielders when they're trying to you know make a play on the ball uh or getting it in their gloves a lot or things like that so uh you know, I, I think we'll probably see that soon but to go back to the original question i have not seen anything <laughs> other than that <laughs> all right based new baseballs so uh the mets left town as did the nats and went to atlanta where uh, they found their bats for a game and beat the brakes the off. The Nats did, or the Mets did. The the Nats did. The Nats did. Winning eleven Never, to two. I, I, yeah. <clears throat> uh, and then the Braves gave it right back to them the next day. So that one kind of evens out. Yeah, not not ideal. No. Uh, it's totally fine to win 11 to 2 and then lose the next game that's something that can happen the, you, what you don't want is to win 11 2 and then immediately get blown out the next game yeah uh to, especially for people who like trash talking the uh, reigning world series champions however legitimately you view that they technically are <laughs> uh, and so if you wanted to get some trash talking in it was uh, some very quick comeuppance for that it's the real downside of baseball compared to football is football. You get a big upset win. you get a whole week that you can, you know, talk trash about literally everybody and everything that you want. Baseball, the very next night, you just get ruined. <laughs> <laughs> but then they won, came back and won game three, though. So they still won the series from the That's Braves. True. Even though they, what, they lost the Pythag series, but they won the, the real series. Indeed. And then, Which, uh, again, gave maybe a little bit of hope. If we had recorded this at the right time next week, we really could have had some positive things to say. Yeah, especially going into the Pirates series. It's like, oh, you just took you know three out of four from the Mets and the Braves. You know, going in, playing the Pirates. I mean, it's the Pirates. And then what happened? <laughs> and then the Pirates happened. <laughs> Usually it just happens to the Pirates. So apparently but, a four-game series, not so good for the Nats. No. Uh, Really disappointing because the Pirates looked awful the whole series. Like there was no point where you were watching that game and being like, "Oh, the Pirates are playing well." Um, 
when Pirates were playing like crap and the Nats were just playing like even more crap. So yeah. I, I think that's the Mets series was a little more forgivable at times because the, the Mets were playing some good baseball and some of those uh, in some, at some points, although they also had some pretty big mistakes, uh, especially base running wise. But it is nothing compared to the Pirate series where it's like, well, this team looks worse than a AAA team. And then also they keep beating us. <laughs> so where does that leave us? Not great, Bob. Nope. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything even super. No- oh, the the one note where the thing actually we skipped in the Atlanta series is Juan Soto hit his 100th home run. Mm, yes. Um, which is disappointing since he had his 99th home run in the Mets game on Thursday and had three opportunities to hit one at home. Uh, before going on a road trip, you're like, well, surely he can just hit one more home run before leaving. <laughs> uh, but no, instead decided he wanted to blast one against the uh, team in Atlanta, which was pretty enjoyable. Uh, it's very funny that the broadcast really just liked focusing on the fact that one of the Atlanta fans picked up the ball and then handed it to the Nats fan who was sitting next to him without realizing what it was. <laughs> and then Shirley got, you know, messages from his friends who saw him on TV and saw and heard, you know, the broadcasters, I'm sure in Atlanta were also saying that was his hundredth home run. Be like, way to go, you fool. You could have gotten some good <laughs> shit for that one. Way to be nice, sucker. Uh and then he blasted his hundred first home run in Pittsburgh. It's probably the only noteworthy thing in Pittsburgh that he did get it into the Allegheny River. Uh, not on the fly, though. Uh, it kind of like went through the tunnel and then apparently bounced somehow into the river. <laughs> uh, it's not really good footage of it, so can't say exactly what happened, but that was the report. Somehow he hit it into the river, which is cool because not, not that many people have done that. Uh, it's not quite like the giant splash hits, which were a little bit easier to do. Because we've been there, TJ and I have been at PNC. Anybody else who has been at PNC, you know that while the river is close to the stadium, unlike the Giants, it's not almost literally right up against the wall. Yeah. The Giants, they have the outfield. The Giants, they have the outfield wall. This very small section of stands the exterior wall of the ballpark, this short sidewalk, and then water. Whereas like the Pirates, they have the stands, then there's a grassy hill that goes down towards the water, then there's another sidewalk along the water, and then you're in the water. <laughs> so it's a... There actually aren't that many, as many splash hits at, in San Francisco as I thought there were, though. Of course, there's still a lot more than Pittsburgh. But it's basically like Barry Bond still has like over half the yeah. list. Well, Bonds did it so often, it looked like it was not that hard. Yeah. Uh, and then you used to have so many kayakers, and then it, it was funny. as as uh, The other problem is that the Giants also just have famously not gotten really any home run hitters in the last decade. Basically, since Bonds left, they have not had anybody with that sort of home run prowess. Uh, they've had a lot more guys who are all-around hitters who can hit home runs, like Hunter Pence or... Uh, Brandon Belt or uh, Buster Posey or Pablo Sandoval, all guys that you you know are probably going to have like 25, 30 home runs a season, but nobody who is going to hit one, you know, monster home runs 
uh, that are going to go way out of the ballpark into the, into the, into the water. So sadly, there's a lot fewer kayakers out there than there used to be. <laughs> there are no kayakers in the Allegheny though, looking for splat shits at PNC. Yeah. I was going to ask if anyone went in the river and got it. I, I mean, I imagine maybe if it happened in the summer, uh, although I don't know what the water quality is like in the Allegheny river, uh, especially in that spot part. Um, you never know with Pittsburgh. Uh, but also at this point when it was just winter, that water temperature is probably about 20 degrees. So yeah. if anybody jumped in for that baseball, they might have died for it, which <laughs> since it's only, it was one. So does a hundred and first home run, probably not worth it. If it was a hundred, you would have said, Hey, somebody get the heck in there and go get that souvenir for him. <laughs> All right, which takes us to uh, yesterday, which didn't happen. So now we have a doubleheader going on today with the Diamondbacks, uh, and we're—I mean—we're up one game right now, and we're tied at nothing in the bottom of the yeah. fifth. Is that still the case? I haven't reloaded this page in a while. No, we are winning one nothing now. Woohoo! Run scored by one Victor Robles. Man, he is having himself a day. He's okay. up to one eleven. He's had some good defensive plays. Uh, had an awesome catch right before we started recording. Uh, almost another awesome catch that just got out of his glove and then ended the inning with a good catch. Uh, so, you know, he's definitely been doing it on the defensive side this whole season. You know, not just that one inning against the Diamondbacks. He's had, he's been playing some good defense he all year, which is that nice. Mets series. Yeah, he's had some good outfield assists. You know, the the one where he had the relay with LCD's Escobar, which mm-hmm. was mostly Escobar. Robles' throw was in, but also kind of made Escobar move for it. So that was, I'd say, 90% LCD's getting Pete Alonso there. Uh, but he did have another uh, good or throw Alonso, at the plate. <laughs> yeah, I think it was uh, to nail Rob. I think it was Robinson Cano at home. Uh it was definitely one of their slow right. players again, uh, which was just very funny that the Mets just kept sending really slow guys, you know, <laughs> to the plate to try to score extra run for no good reason. Well, uh, I will have you know that Victor Robles is almost a zero in WRC plus. All right, there we go. <laughs> Sitting at negative seven. Moving on up. Exciting. Just live up balloons or something once he hits it with his two for six day. <laughs> Not bad. Hey, that's that's three thirty three batting average. Yeah, mm-hmm. could win a batting title in twenty twenty two with that. You know, people don't really have high batting averages anymore. Um, and look, Jonah Dones pitching into the seventh right now too. That's he's the first pitcher on the Nats this year to even complete six, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I think the furthest somebody gotten was five and a third. Uh, before that, so. Yeah, I mean, the Diamondbacks really suck, uh, even worse than the Pirates do. And this is definitely probably the worst home series of this year that the Nats will have, uh, just in terms of weather, uh, time of the year, uh, game times, considering it was originally it was a, a four-game series all on school dates. <laughs> uh, but then even worse, the, the Monday game got rained out to a so you had two day games now on Tuesday and on a Thursday. Uh, and it's one of the worst teams they'll play this season in the Diamondbacks. 
uh, but one that also has just no it is not really interesting in any way whatsoever uh, whereas they'll also have some series against like the Oakland Athletics who kind of traded all their good players away and aren't going to be very good this year but you don't get to see Oakland in DC all the time so there's at least you know something interesting there uh, the Orioles are just as awful as they have been the last couple of years but it's still that local rivalry which gets a little bit of the juice going so it's definitely their worst worst team they're going to be playing of the year uh, worst series of the year for at home uh, so definitely glad to be recording <laughs> for one of those games rather than trying to watch it in the stadium speaking um, of the a's that is outrageous they're averaging yeah. almost 5.3 runs a game with a team OPS of 647. <laughs> a team OPS plus of 92. Yeah. And they are the fifth highest scoring team per game. Yeah, that currently. obviously won't last. No, no, it won't. For very long. Um, that, <laughs> it's just outrageous. It, they traded everybody and then raised their ticket, you know, pretty obviously raised their ticket prices while they're also trying desperately to get a new stadium, mm-hmm. which is as wild as the audacity to be like, yeah, this stadium's a piece of garbage. You know, I wouldn't even ask, ask my mother to come watch a game at this stadium, but also if you want to give me $30 more than you previously did. It's like, okay. To watch a much worse team, much, a much worse. No, I will not be spending the money I make from that on the team. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, that'd be pretty bad. Um, but it, it, that's the one thing the Nats haven't done too much. Uh, you know, it's nice. They added the, their BOGO hot dogs and beers for the rest of April. Uh, <laughs> so that that's kind of the move you're supposed to be doing uh, when you have a bad team for a bad year is just give people a reason to just kind of come and hang out and chill. Yeah, you're not coming for the team necessarily, but there's it, it's still fun to just kind of hang out at a ballpark, especially when the weather is nicer. Um, it's just a good activity to kind of you know you can be watching while not watching at the same time, and kind of just follow the the patterns of the game and the the crowd to, to kind of know when to look up and and really pay attention. So. You know, and sometimes when you've won your World Series and then the team is now really bad and you've traded off a lot of assets, uh, you explore selling the team. Yeah. It's true. Did we not talk about that last time? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. It came up afterwards. It came up afterwards. Oh, I think I was like getting prepared to talk about it and then we weren't able to record last week. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That's wild. So... Yeah, the 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 learners uh, announced that they are looking to potentially either sell like a part of or the whole team. Uh, the expectation is probably that they're gonna end up just selling the whole team. Uh, one because you know they they don't seem like the kind of people who would be fine. You know, being a minority owner in a sports team when you could be when you have been a majority owner. Mm-hmm. Is no fun because <laughs> minority orders owners don't really get to do, you know, have no real say in anything. They just get to put their money in and then watch some other person make all the decisions and, and potentially ruin the investment they have. 
Uh, so, uh, especially if you've been able to call the shots, it's not something you'd be really interested in. It's definitely something more for your people who don't have the money to be a majority owner, but you want the little bit of prestige and fun that comes with being able to say, oh, I'm a, a part owner of this team. And you get to hang out in the owner's box every once in a while and things like that. Uh, so I, it, it doesn't seem likely that they would sell. If they're going to sh- sell a majority share, they're probably going to sell the entire team. Uh, you know, their entire share of the team. Mm-hmm. And if not, if they were going to look to, they were just looking to bring in partners to shore up the the money behind the team, but not give up controlling interest. Usually something like that would be a lot more private. Um, yeah. You wouldn't also be hiring expensive, fancy Manhattan search committee people to put you in contact with sellers and you know determine, help facilitate deals and and such. And that's the same group that facilitated the the Met sale, correct? I think so. Yeah, yeah. and and others. So, um, it definitely seemed very serious about it. Uh, it all the reporting seems to indicate that they're definitely going to be selling. The team, uh, it does make sense to a degree uh, that, like you said, TJ, they've won their World Series. They've now torn down the team. Uh, the way TV revenues, are, the way the revenues in the sport are going and the way the world of TV is going, it's unlikely that you know, this might be the peak level of revenue you'll be able to get as a baseball owner and still have it kind of projected out in probably five to ten more years. We'll be able to see, you know, 10 is probably a little optimistic, but you can at least say, hey, next five years, you're probably still going to be getting TV revenues at TV revenue at this level, uh, which will make it a lot easier to turn a profit without having to worry too much about your product on the field, about your fans, about all the other, you know, day to day aspects of owning a team. Uh, so it's, Five years, you probably won't be able to say that. Cable will probably have died enough uh, that the next time those deals get up and have to be renegotiated, they're going to be a lot lower rights fees. Uh, And so it's the most attractive time to sell the team. So uh, it it makes sense to that point, but also to the, you know, on the other side, it's kind of surprising since the learners had bought it as a family business. you know, and, and seem to be ready to kind of be in it for the long haul and you'll pass it down. You know, they had already passed controlling interest from Ted Lerner to his son, Mark Lerner, uh, and had a lot of the other family members involved in the day-to-day decision-making and you know, looked ready that, you know, if Mark wanted to move on, he would be able to pass it to, you know, the younger ge- next generation of learners. Uh, so it, it is a little shocking in that regard that, yeah, they've made the sudden turn that they're going to go to sell instead. I guess like the, their their actual business outside of owning the Nats has uh, had a bad, well, not them specifically, but just the industry in general has had a bad couple of, well, years with COVID and decades just with malls and things like that in general. So it could also just be just the combination of everything, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, the thing that I saw was that they're, essentially their net worth had dropped like $2 billion in the last couple of years. Um, and wouldn't you know that the team is valued at $2 billion. 
No, and the other thing financially, I forgot uh, to include, you know, not only they might see lower revenues, but they also, those contracts with Strasburg and Scherzer uh, that were had the deferred re- uh, deferred compensation. I think Corbin also has some deferrals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the Strasburg and Scherzer ones are the two biggest ones, and their deferrals are going to get start getting paid, I think, like next year or so. Uh, and they're going to be you know huge amounts of money uh, that are owed. So it there's another point that you know if they did the smart thing where they took that money and set it aside, you know maybe they they unset it aside and they you know it, that might have been something they did in 2020 uh, where the revenues didn't come through because of you know, the coronavirus pandemic. It could have been a thing where you know. Originally, they had planned, they had an escrow account that had the amount of money they were going to have to pay Strasburg and Scherzer in the future, be able to earn interest, potentially invested in their own properties and things like that, and earn a lot more money, uh, and then pay it out. And then they might have had to tap that fund uh, a lot, being able to cover up the revenue gaps that they saw in 2020 and 2021. Uh, they could have potentially also been taking a lot more money out of the team and trying to help shore up some of their other businesses uh, rather than using that to service some of their debt. Uh, another issue is that we're seeing interest rate rise and the Fed is going to, Federal Reserve is going to start saying interest rates higher. Uh, so, you know, if they had been taking on a lot of high value loans because it was a l- very low interest rate, you're able to kind of just have a debt cycle where you just keep you take on new loans that can pay off the old loans in part uh, and just keep drawing off of the value. Like TJ said, it's a $2 billion team. Uh, you can get a lot of loans yeah. with the $2 billion baseball team as collateral. Uh, you know, And you can get those at a low rate, but you know, if the, rate, the interest rates are going up, you might not be able to get loans at, the, the, you know, at terms that you would find favorable anymore. You're not pulling in the revenue. And also now you have these obligations uh, salary wise to guys that you know, you had the money for before, but you use that in other ways. And now you don't quite have them lined up. Uh, it's another good reason to be selling the team instead of hanging around in three or three years when that all comes crashing on you. <laughs> uh, the one of the things that I found that I kind of forgot about, but uh, when reading these stories, did uh do you know Rafael Soriano is still being paid by the Nats? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Through 2024. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I think he has one or two more years left. Yeah. Uh, that that one was funny. There's one that's re- that was really, I think Joe Blanton had the Yeah. Mm-hmm. For like I think his may have ended years, last year. Even though he was signed, he was signed for one year and was like paid over three or something like that. This would make no sense. This is like, I don't know why you agreed to that. <laughs> Um, I guess you get no no better options. That's what you do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and the learners have definitely have been frustrating. We've talked about it a lot over the years on the podcast, and some of the ways they do business. It's not always necessarily you know, like top before that they won't spend money. It, it's just the ways of when they say yes, yeah, spend on this, don't spend on that, uh, that make it really hard to build a competitive baseball team at times. Uh, they had improved. They've definitely improved over the years, uh, and I'd say, especially with Mike Rizzo at the helm, they've done well. Um, you know, they look like they might. 
they might have been ready to you know start turning around again after this season, hopefully, uh, you know, and, and maybe make a, a legitimate contract offer to Juan Soto would have been nice. Um, but you know, it is definitely a tumultuous time. We've seen a a lot of new owners over the last decade kind of come in and be like, "No, I don't." I don't spend money on the team. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to make the money. <laughs> uh, I'm here to leverage huge loans to buy, you know, they buy the team at, you know, large amount of, for a large amount of debt. Uh, and then they spend a lot of, you know, they try to increase the revenues as much as possible so they can be servicing that debt correctly while also still taking in, you know, huge profits for themselves. Uh, so if the Nats get somebody like that, it'd be really unfortunate um, because, you know, I think based on the the way the le- the learners played, I don't know if the their revenues are that high. So we could really see the, you know, I don't know if we'd be able to see two hundred million, even hundred eighty million dollar payrolls uh, if you get the wrong owners. So, um, but there has been some rumors of people like Ted Lerner, or not Ted Lerner, uh, Ted Leonsis. <laughs> so knowing they're both named Ted, uh, Leonsis potentially trying to find a, a partner. Since he does not have, he does not have baseball team owning money <laughs> on his own. Uh, so he has had like Lorraine uh, Jobs Powell. I think it's that order. Powell Jobs, one way or the other, uh, was an investor in his monumental sports network slash entertainment thing. It's a company that kind of just does everything uh, that potentially could help him. Or also David Rubenstein of the Carlisle. I think he's owned the Carlisle group who has previously tried to bid, I think on the Nats, but also on some of the other, you know, in the past has tried to look into getting into more into sports team ownership. So uh, you could see them teaming up and having Rubenstein kind of be the money and Leonsis be the the guy, hey, I know how to own own and run a sports team. Y'all help you with that side of it. You know, you just bring, you just bring the, the checks and, you know, your opinion, you know, obviously you're not just going to be like, Hey, keep signing me $200 million checks, but <laughs> and I'll just handle it from there. But uh, you could definitely see if it's people local like that, that would definitely be a lot better for the nationals because if you're actually living in the local community and sort of feeling the local community to the extent that a billionaire can, uh, you're probably going to be more inclined to want to actually do good things for it. Um, I mean, that's, that's the one thing Dan Snyder had going for him, uh, is that he's always spent a lot of money and wanted, you know, Washington to be good, uh, cause they're his team. The, the downside was that Dan Snyder had no idea how to run a competent or good organization or not sexually harass every single woman he's ever met, uh, or do anything correctly. So there's a lot of enthusiasm. I think that that's what we would hope for the Nats is you get a local ownership group like uh, Rumenstein or Leonsis or something like that, who has that enthusiasm and, and passion for the local team and wants to make them good and, you know, a pillar of the community, but also is not a giant jackass. So uh, if, if Leonsis came in, how close does that get him to, DC sports bingo at that point. Uh, uh, he'd only not have the commanders uh, and DC United and the spirit. Okay. I believe. But he Although is, he'd be, he he'd is part of the ownership of, group of the mystics though. 
He owns the Mystics. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's the majority owner of the Mystics. I think there's I think that one I think Monumental actually might own the Mystics. Gotcha. I think he so the, the the question is I can't remember if any of those are owned outright by himself or if they're now all owned by Monumental Sports and Entertainment. They're probably all monumental, it wouldn't shock me. I think they're all owned by Monumental now. But yeah, he is the majority owner of he he slash he's the majority owner of Monumental, which is the majority owner of the Capitals, uh the Wizards, the Mystics, and the esports teams uh in DC. I think uh so he would not the Washington Spirit women's soccer team the DC United soccer team and then uh, the Washington commanders football team would be the three. If you were to you know, become a controlling owner of the nationals would be the three he didn't have, uh, but he would have one degree of separation to the spirit because I believe at least in the past, Alex Ovechkin uh, is a minority owner of the spirit. I think he still is, uh, but they did just have an ownership change. So it's possible he, his investment was taken back out. So I don't know for sure. But, okay. All right. I, the one positive, if also if it's Leonsis, uh, I guess two positives. One, Leonsis really likes, uh, you know, based on his Wizards and uh, Caps experience, he really likes signing those big contracts for homegrown stars uh, and keeping them as much as he can. Uh, the one thing is that those are in capped leagues in the NBA. You know, there's. The NBA actually, the very strict amount of it's what a you number. Get, you know almost exactly what you have to sign that guy to. There's, yeah. And if you do it, there's no competition because nobody else can sign them for that much. Uh, and then the NHL is a very you know, strongly capped league, and it's also fairly low cap. So while it's still a big commitment of your team budget overall, it's not necessarily, it's not a, a huge commitment over you know entirely as it would be you know signing one soda to a 500 million dollar contract is a lot more money than i think what he signed backstrom and ovechkin combined uh but that also comes with the expectation that your baseball team should be bringing in a lot more revenue than your uh, nhl team should so uh we'll see but yeah it's definitely been a priority of his he understands you know how much value you can value you can get out of keeping homegrown guys around for a very long time for a very long time uh, we've mm-hmm. seen it not just with ovechkin and backstrom but also kuznetsov uh carlson tom wilson they've had a lot of guys who have been here for a lot of years john wall and bradley beal on the wizard side well and i was going to bring up beal like for a team that has not been particularly good for quite some time being able to keep him around and invested in the sit like that also has to do with the ownership group and how the team is yeah. run. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the positives. Uh, the other one is that, you know, like I said, cable is probably going to die soon. You're not going to see those revenues. What we might see going forward is some sort of arrangement where teams kind of have, I, I, there's two ways it could go. Either you could have like the league, like MLT, MLB TV just becomes where every game is streamed and you have to pay $500 or a thousand dollars or some, a ridiculous amount of money for the year to be able to see all the games nationally. The other way I could see it going is that each individual team controls their rights and they just sell. Here's 
you know, the package for the Nationals or whatever, where you could see an advantage as a Washington sports fan is if it came to that and Leonsis has Monumental and the Monumental streaming app already that they've been working on. And if he has the Mystics, the Wizards, the Caps, and the Nats, he could just make a bundle that says here $200, you know, $150 a month or something like that. And you get all the Caps, all the Nats, all the Wizards, all the Mystics games uh, through Monumental. Uh, that would be a, a hell of a lot better than I think we might see in a lot of other markets where you wouldn't have that synergy uh, where you'd see, you know, all right, you have to give $100 to the Mavericks and $100 to the Cowboys and $100 to the Rangers and $100 to the Stars. And that, that you know, when they'll probably all go up a lot. And so the, the more we be a monumental kind of, network. Exactly. So right now, I don't love monumental when they put. You know, Mystics games on it exclusively. I think I think he finally stopped doing that, but it could actually pay off in the in the end game uh, for DC sports fans, where we can end up with those bundle you know, teams in a bundle still uh, in a way that's still sort of fran- fan friendly mm-hmm. uh, compared to you know what you're paying for cable now. The Yes Network for DC. Yeah. Well, and that the interesting thing is like the yeah the Yankees they did the weird thing where they used to have almost all their games on Yes Network, and then I think it was Sunday afternoon games or Friday, it's either Sunday or Friday night. One of the weekend games was always on Channel Eleven, which was an over-the-air channel in the New York area that you could get. Like it had like in the past, it had one of those big super antennas. Now it's a still pretty big digital antenna channel. So you can get it all over New York for free. Uh, and then this year they canceled that deal and put them all on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> so not only can you still not watch them through Yes, but you also have to watch you have to watch it on Amazon Prime and it's not free. You need a Prime subscription. Yeah. So uh, there are a lot of really shitty fan directions uh, already in terms of way teams are going to start putting more games on streaming. Uh, you know, I think we talked about it with the national deals. Uh, I think we talked about the Apple TV deal mm-hmm. last time. Uh, they also, I think after that, they announced that Peacock deal where they're doing Sunday morning games, where now the Nats have two games starting at 12 o'clock on a Sunday, uh, which will be great. Um, now, question on those. With the with the adjustment to the CBA, as far as like start times, were those per team that they can have this many games start before noon? Or is that like across the league, you can have a dozen games start before noon? I would assume it's per team, but I don't know that doesn't really make sense that it would be across the league. You would need to have both. If if it was going to be across the league, you would also have to have a per team. Because what you wouldn't want is like, oh yeah, you can start across the league. You can start twelve games before one o'clock. And oh, by the way, we're just going to make all of those Yankee games. <laughs> and then the you know the, that's not what the players want. So, uh, it is interesting. I'm surprised that the the players agreed to that. Um, I guess their thinking was if it's going to. It might have been something where the MLB. I don't. I don't know exactly that they might have already. It might already be that it can only be on Sundays, or 
MLB might have already said it was just for you know for this Sunday package. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, okay, well, we already have one o'clock games on Sunday. It's not that bad to move it to yeah. twelve. Um, well, and there are always a couple other ones. You have the Fourth July if they're playing in DC. You have yeah a couple of those Patriots Day. Patriots Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there are always a few that pop up. They're nice as a fan of a team of the teams that aren't playing though, because it's like it's nice to turn on the TV and be like, oh, there's right. a game on. <laughs> but it sucks if you're a player for one of those teams or if you're a fan of the home team, especially where you got to get up and get there. Yeah, yeah. I, it's already annoying trying to get up and get to to Nats Park for one. Of, I was glad they moved it back to one thirty this year, and it's like, okay, well now some of them are at twelve. It it, it makes sense with the idea that they're kind of trying to emulate the way that people watch Premier League. It's like, hey, Premier League Sunday, you wake up in the morning, you on your week, your second weekend day, and just turn on the TV, chill out with some soccer. You know, baseball definitely has the same sort of feel to that. Uh, where you know it's just a really good it makes sense as a kind of hangout morning watch sport uh but the reason the premier league sunday works is time zones yes uh, those games are being played at fan friendly you know fan and attendance friendly times where they're local and our tv friendly times where we're watching it from uh it's not like you said it's uh you're sacrificing that in-person experience for you know, being able to watch it, the, the TV watching experience. Uh, and that will be it's something we'll have bit. to see uh, as over the season, whether they get, you know, whether the crowds are similar to your, your standard Sunday crowds or if the crowds are a lot small or smaller just because of the early start times that people don't want to, to go. And then you're not really getting the atmosphere uh, in the game that you would want. It's not, it wouldn't be nearly as fun to watch on TV either. So are these all just going to be East Coast games? Yeah, they all are East Coast games. Okay. That would be cruel and unusual. If they were. <laughs> yeah. like the Giants well, play at 8.30 that, in the morning. <laughs> right, but that's the other issue is then now, I, I think they're all East Coast games, and I think they're all East Coast teams. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I, I might be wrong. I don't remember the schedule off the top of my head, but I don't think any of them are, games where like a west coast it, it might be inclusive but i don't think any of them are like the dodgers or the giants playing a game on the mm-hmm. east coast on a sunday i don't think those are ones being moved up either let's um, see i'm pulling up the list now so uh, but i do know they're all games that are the second game is the padres at the braves <laughs> oh padres and braves there you go. okay so i guess they don't care about that uh, then we have the giants with the reds the a's at the guardians the Angels at the Orioles. So yeah, Houston's I, I one think hour they back, all... two hours back. Huh? Houston's one hour back, two hours back. Houston is central time. Okay. So that's not terrible. <laughs> the Padres get screwed with this twice. They get two of these games. <laughs> Yikes. Uh and the Dodgers. So there you go. Like right, so six of those apparently games they are West Coast it. teams. Those West Coast teams play absurdly early for them. I guess the idea is that it's Sunday, so you would have already you've gotten it used to the time by now. Yeah, yeah. So the only central time team that I see as the home team is Detroit. Detroit. Detroit's Eastern time. Oh, Detroit's Eastern. Okay, then everybody's Eastern. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the fun way of learning. Cleveland and Detroit are all Eastern. (laughs) 
in Cincinnati. So, no one knows yeah. what Detroit actually is. It's in Detroit Michigan, is like TJ. in line with Atlanta, I believe. Yeah, it's longitude. Uh, yeah, I feel like it should like, be further over. You would think so. I think yeah, it's closer it's to just Chicago. The way, just it's just the way head. you think of the East Coast. People just don't really think about how much the East Coast kind of slants yeah. before kicking back out with Florida. Yeah. You're just kind of like Maine, Florida. Like that's a straight line between those two, and it's like, oh yeah, because it, it just kind of goes the last just second. Nashville's in the central time zone. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, it also doesn't help being in Virginia, where we border all these states. That it's like, oh well, you border both Maryland and Tennessee. That it's probably similar time. It's like, well, no, you border Maryland up here, and then you border Tennessee way over here. <laughs> Oh. Six hours away. You so, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. It'll be fun, interesting to see. It's just going to be bad for fans um, who want to watch all of their team's games because you're going to have to be able to have an Apple TV subscription. Uh, even though it is free right now, you don't have to pay for it. You still have to sign up for it, yeah. figure out how to log into it, figure out what device you can watch Apple TV with. I mean, I think most people kind of have streaming, but handled in some cases, but not all, uh, especially older fans who are, you know, a big amount of baseball fans. Um, and then you're also going to have to have that Peacock account. Uh, they also announced that they're going to do their YouTube game of the weeks again, like they have in the past. So you're going to have to have a way to stream a YouTube game. Uh, and then you're also going to have to be able to remember, you know, that's in addition to also the cable exclusives like ESPN Sunday night baseball, uh, I think Fox might have a couple exclusives. Um, you know, so it, it's there's a lot of different places uh, where you can wa- you'll have to try to find a game uh, that's not your local broadcast. Uh, it's already annoying enough as an NHL fan uh, where the NHL they signed exclusive deals for putting some games only on ESPN plus mm-hmm. and not and locally exclusive, and that sucked. Uh, but at least it was one service. So if you're like, oh, I know we're playing and we're not on cable, uh, it must be an ESPN Plus game. Not as much for a fan. You'd be like, all right, I know we're playing. It's not on TV and it's Friday. So it must be Apple <laughs> <laughs> or it's Thursday. So I guess that means YouTube. Um, or then you're, you're that fun person who shows up at, you know, turns the TV on at 1.30 and sees that the Nats game isn't on. And then you go and you realize, oh, it must be a Peacock game. And then it's like, great, I just missed an hour and a half of the game <laughs> because I forgot to look at the, you know, they didn't see that the schedule today is that we're in the stupid morning baseball game. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, granted these are all different services, but it's almost as bad as trying to find NBA games sometimes where it's like, is it on TNT? Is it on the NBA network? Is it on ABC? Is it on ESPN? Yeah. And kind of working your way through the progression of where this game is. Yeah. Um, so it, it's trying to find a national audience, but in a way it doesn't totally make sense. Um, no, I mean, you, you want to do what the NHL did of, if you're going to sign a deal with somebody, you sign a deal with someone. Yeah. Not. And even that, that NHL, <laughs> on TV, they're signed with both ESPN and TNT. So they did actually, they did NHL even split up theirs because they used to be only NBC, True. and now they're they're both. Um, but yeah, but even then, like the streaming is only going to be ESPN Plus. So either you will see it on the cable channel or it'll be ESPN Plus. Yeah. Um, 
It's just funny because like in baseball cards, they have gone exclusive with licensing to tops for years and everybody hates it because he got rid of, you know, upper deck and Fleer and Donruss and all of that. And then on the flip side, it's like they refuse to go exclusive or close to it on the streaming side. And everybody's like, can you just pick something? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and it's just annoying. Cause it's you, like, they try to say, it's like, Oh, we were just trying to expand the game, you know, make it more national, allow people to see other teams more often and things like that. It's like, but, if you're going to do that, don't make it locally exclusive. Like make it, if I'm a fan of my team, I can always watch my home broadcast and then you can put it on national TV. If that was your only goal was to make it so that more people nationally can see a game, that would be the way you would go. The reason they haven't done that is because that's not the point of it. The point of it is to just get extra revenue. Uh, that's not tied directly to your team. Uh, you that you can get that national TV revenue or national streaming TV or streaming or whatever we're going to call it this at this point revenue uh, while you can. Well, my only problem with that is when they give you the option to watch the local broadcast, then you are forced to watch the local broadcast. Yeah. And you can't watch it anywhere else. We're like, it's streaming on where it's, uh, I've seen it with like caps pens games where it's like, it's on NHL network, but no, you have to go to the local channel. You can't watch it over here. Right. And it's just, it's right, which is also annoying. You should be um, forced to watch the caps ca- them on the caps channel. TK. I refuse. I will tell them that to. I am in Poland so that I can watch the penguin side instead. Uh, but Sean, to your point, um, what also gets me about some of the stuff now, granted we haven't seen, the the peacock broadcast yet but most of these different streaming services uh, aren't doing anything different or better it's just there now granted we saw the other night with the apple tv stuff where like the actual presentation of it was awesome like it looked good the the graphics were clean and you know relatively out of the way they were focused on the game that was great but for the most part we're just changing what box we go to to get this it's not doing anything different for the actual game that you're watching which is frustrating yeah no it's i like i said it's it's mostly a, a attempt to get more money um it's an attempt by the the streaming services to goose their subscription numbers because that's pretty much all investors care about uh which you would you would have seen uh, Netflix had some bad news today that they lost subscribers for the first time, I think, ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're projecting even higher losses of subscribers, even though they raised the prices substantially. And then if you like looked at the math of we had this many subscribers at this price, now we have fewer subscribers, but it's at this price. And actually, we're making more revenue. No, nope, uh, the nope, only nope. thing just the subscriber numbers. Nope. What? Yeah. <laughs> All we care about is the number of subscribers and that it is going up. Uh, so that uh, if, if you're wondering why Apple would pay for just a couple baseball games on a Friday and that's the only live programming they have, like, why would you do that? I don't understand. Or, or Peacock. Well, it's, like it, it's purely just to get people in to subscribe just, you know, and, and that's why Apple, I think they're kind of giving away where they're just giving them for free, but I'm sure they can probably mix those into their general subscriber numbers 
you know, when they're reported, I mean, like, you don't have to say that, oh, you know, we added 200,000 subscribers and 150 of those were people signing up to watch a baseball game for free. Well, it sounds like for Apple, this might just be a, uh, a test case because word is that they're hot and heavy after the Sunday ticket license. Yeah, and that that that's the other thing. And you know, maybe they bring in you know the same thing we were talking about with Monumental. Maybe Apple brings in enough sport packages that they can kind of become the home of that. It's an interesting play. It, it is weird, kind of how this has played out in terms of you know the cable. It, this was like 10, 15 years ago, where people were already talking about cord cutting. Uh, Netflix was starting to get big and people were giving up cable subscriptions to get, you know, Netflix, Netflix used to have everything and it was really cheap. And it's like, well, why would I pay a hundred dollars for a cable TV subscription? And anybody who didn't care about sports all did that. And they kind of, everybody else kind of all the broadcasters and advertisers realize the only people who are still both on watching things on cable frequently and, watching them live and not so that they're not actually able to skip commerce through commercials. They have to see them or people watching sports uh, and the sports leagues realize they could get a lot of money out of that. They've kind of kept this propped up for a while and nobody's really been able to figure out exactly what the new look should be. You know, I think you're seeing Apple and Amazon prime are both trying to move into that idea of, does it make sense for us to bring live sports programming under our umbrella? Uh, you know, and Hulu and ESPN plus are kind of doing the same thing. It's like, can we bring that in? And then they subscribe they, as a way to get people to subscribe uh, to the rest of our offerings, or is it just, you know, it makes no sense with the money you have to pay for it and things like that in the cost of doing live versus, you know, cost of doing live broadcasts is way higher than it is to just store a bunch of files across multiple servers in different countries mm-hmm. uh, that can be quickly accessed and, you know, streamed live through the internet, your internet broadcast. Uh, that, that system is very cheap. Uh, live broadcasts and the, the work, especially if you're actually going to pay for broadcasters if you're going to pay for some of the other licensing rights around it uh if you're going to make a sales team to actually sell advertisements during your live broadcast all things like that are going to cost you a lot of money uh so it'll be interesting to see whether you know these places like amazon and apple whether they keep moving forward on that or whether we see that kind of fall apart too uh, but it it would be funny if at the end of it we just kind of end up with like one streamer that is basically just the cable box <laughs> but on the all the only on the internet yeah and i mean uh it it will cost them a lot of money but if they can do it right yeah they'll make a lot of money and i gotta say uh whoever we end up going to that becomes our streaming overlords for all of these uh sporting events please give me the option to give you more money um and just let me watch what happens in the stadium during commercial breaks because the NBA uh, gives you like, you can pay like, I don't know. It's like 30 bucks a year, 50 bucks a year or something. And they'll give you the stadium feed like in arena during commercial breaks. 
oh my God, the amount of stupid things that are going on in this country on a nightly basis is just phenomenal. Oh yeah. <laughs> it puts minor league baseball to shame. Like it's so good. Nice. Um, all right. So is there anything else interesting going on with the Nationals so far? I feel like the answer is no, but I guess you uh, talk about Luis Garcia getting International League Player of the Week honors and hitting the crap out of the ball being, I think, I think he's second in OPS in the Nationals minor leagues behind Brady House, who's sodoing it right now in Fredericksburg and probably going to get moved up to high A soon. Nice. That is so annoying that the the one thing that the reorg did was move Fredericksburg to the low A team and now Wilmington is a high A team. And it's like, oh wow, he's crushing it in Fredericksburg. It's like, oh that's that's like if he was hitting really well in Hagerstown. <laughs> yeah. It's like I wouldn't really care that much about that. So I want to look at I mean I know no one for the Nationals is hitting the ball particularly well, but all right, let's take this off of qualified because no one is qualified right now. Few of them are qualified to begin with. It's fair. It's a fair point. Oh my God. Michael Franco is number three on the Nats in war. And that's a pathetic sight. Oh yeah. He's actually hitting the ball very hard. It's just uh he's horrible at fielding and <laughs> lots of times he hits the ball at people. Hey, nothing like a twenty three point three strikeout percentage and a four point seven walk percentage. Get it, buddy. Yeah. Uh but anyways, I was looking to see if they you know, there was somebody who was severely underperforming that Luis Garcia could come in and actually have a spot. Yeah, pretty much everybody. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Cesar Hernandez is not doing well. Um, and neither is LCDs Escobar. Uh, even Michael Franco, at, at, he's technically positive, but the way if you're watching him play, you're not going to be yeah. like, oh, that, keep that guy. I mean, obviously, I think Franco is just filler for until Kiboom is finally able to be healthy and gets his one last shot before they punt him into the sun. Can you, can you um, promise me that it's his one last shot? No, I can promise you. It's one of his last shots. It's yes. one of his last shots. <laughs> I, you'd have to imagine it's one of the last one, but obviously, you know, I mean, considering Franco was the second best third baseman they brought in this year, uh, they were ready to just let Kiboom let it rip and find out what happens because Franco is both not good and not young. So there was no, there was nothing interesting to that competition. I mean, if Kibum had lost it in spring, that would have really raised a lot of questions. You, you know what does kill me looking back on this stuff? Now, granted, don't get me wrong. Victor Robles played a definite role in 2019's World Series, 100%. Um, but looking back at trade deadlines passed where it was, nah, we can't move Victor Robles. No, we can't move Carter Keboom. And it's just like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> and just seeing any shine 
come off the rose. Oh, yeah, well, I'll give them credit. They said we can't move Juan Soto. We said really, he's only in single A, and then he made it up like <laughs> that a is a very later. fair point. We need so to go scrub all of those podcasts. They episodes. did get that one right. Um, and Robles looked good in 2019. I, they they just had the issue that then got exasperated worse by the COVID pandemic. The Robles kind of tried to do his own thing training wise. Uh, this is not really what the Nats wanted him to do. Uh, and then they've had a lot of issues kind of getting on the same page and building trust with each other uh, and really you know, helping develop there. Um, and he's still having some trouble even this year. I mean, hopefully we'll see. That might be the one benefit of probably no other benefits of Kevin Long leaving is maybe Robles does click more with Darnell Coles and a, a new hitting coach voice. Uh, can kind of get through and you know sometimes it really, that really is all that matters is just a different voice than what you've been hearing before telling you something uh, that can help make it click so far it has looked like not really but we'll see maybe he can build off this great day uh, he had today relatively speaking um, yeah, I, Luis Garcia definitely should be able to be up soon the, the thing that annoys me the most with Garcia is that the Nats I haven't really given a clear answer to what it is they're looking for him to do Mm -hmm. in AAA. They just kind of were like, well, he's still so young and we kind of only called him up uh, more just because there was nobody else. You know, we needed a body. And so we called him up to do that. It's like, well, okay. But also he did hit well in AAA last year too, although it was, you know, fairly short stint. Uh, The more he hits this well, in AAA again, there's not much development, uh, you know, developmentally wise, besides on the fielding side, you know. And if that's your concern, your team is bad anyways. Who cares if he makes, you know, Ian Desmond level of errors at shortstop or more? <laughs> you know, and that's something they did in the past with Desmond in 2010 and 2011. You, know, and even 2012, he started that year with I think like eight errors in April or something like that. It was like something absurd. It was like an era game, mm-hmm. uh, but he was also hitting it really well. And they made the correct call of you know, it. He's not that good of a fielding shortstop. He's making these errors, but he is good enough to stay there. And his offense is so much better than the average, the normal shortstop that, you know, this will work out. So, you know, Garcia, if he continues to hit really well in triple a, that's just going to prove that he's, getting no developmental value out of being in AAA and facing AAA pitchers. He needs to face major league pitchers as a hitter. If the only way he does that and you want to just keep Cesar Hernandez at second, because you think you may be able to get trade something out of trade for him. I can promise you, you will get absolutely shit all for LCD's Escobar in a trade. Nobody will trade you for him, let alone trade you anything interesting for him. So just put Garcia at shortstop except that you're going to have way too many errors. But the point is to just see how he can do offensively. And then once you trade Cesar Hernandez at the deadline, move him back to second base. Yeah. He does have six errors in 10 games in AAA. So you, you aren't, aren't lying when you say he could be Ian Desmond uh, that one year. Oh yeah. It's going to be bad, but I, the point would be, you know, you you don't have a, a good team. You want to just see what he can do hitting wise. And I think you know part of the idea 
that they didn't want to call him out. Maybe call him up. Maybe it was just that they wanted, they don't want him to do badly in the field and have that affect his hitting in some way. But I would say the way you do that isn't not bringing him up. The way you do that is you bring him up and you say, you're going to be a starting shortstop, but we don't give a fuck what the hell you do out there. Just go stand there. If you didn't move and just everything went by you and then you came in and hit, like you were just a DH on the field, that's fine. Because all we want to do is see you hit. Yeah. You know, we'll find a defensive position for you later, you know, in on July 31st or potentially earlier, depending on how quickly they move in these trades. You know, we'll figure that out later. You know, don't worry about the fielding. You know, this is just a way to get you into the lineup. I think most players would understand that and not you'll immediately be like, I don't have to give a shit about fielding. All right. <laughs> Do I have to go to fielding practice? Yeah. Uh, so during the course of this conversation, you know, clicking through some names here, <clears throat> do you know how depressing it is to look at a guy's age and go, man, that dude is old. And then realize that he is three months younger than you. Ooh, who was it? <laughs> Alcides Escobar. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah. This is only he's December wow. of 86. Okay. Wow. That's funny. He, I guess he came up when he was 21, so he's really been up forever. Yeah. Yeah. I would have thought Escobar would have been like 38 or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I made fun of Franco's age, and I think Franco is like a year younger than me. Or <laughs> I think we might be the same. Age. I think actually, let me double check. I think we have like very close birthdays. He's August 92. Yeah. He's, yeah. So I'm just old. I'm only a couple months older than him. But the him and Fetty, I think Fetty is also August ninety two. Uh, so it is definitely funny to make fun of them for being old. But it does relate to where I am. Like I don't think anybody in at this point at my job would be like, "Oh, there is that early career professional." I wonder what he's going to be able to do. <laughs> I wonder what his future is going to be like. It's like. You know, you're pretty established at what you do and how well you do it. <laughs> uh, you're you're not a young gun at. 35 anymore damn it you're no. just you're just a guy now <laughs> just the guy uh, see how long you could hold on before retirement <laughs> yeah james, james he went on his own training program we'll see if a new uh if a new coaching style can uh, help him get back uh to his former top prospect status i just needed a change of scenery get moved from one job <laughs> to another <laughs> <laughs> so. just wait until i file for arbitration this year um yeah i was gonna wait i was uh, Similarly, TJ, I was kind of looking at things while we were talking. I was about to say the only other positive uh, Nats-wise is that their bullpen, at least the, their top bullpen guys have looked really good. Uh, and then right before I was going to say that, I looked at Twitter and saw Tanner Rainey had put the first two guys on base in a one nothing game he was trying to save. Uh, but he does it's appear that he managed to get out of that uh, and get a save. So you know, I think we did mention Doolittle earlier. Uh, you know, and sadly kind of have to think of him as a trade uh, prospect, even though it would be great to just have Doolittle around forever. Um, but C-Sheck has been okay. He's had a little bit, he's had some trouble. Uh, he gave up the lead or the tie against Pittsburgh on Sunday, I want to say, um, mm-hmm. or Saturday, one of the games on the weekend. Um, and then also, you know, had that, misadventure with the Mets in his first appearance uh, where he hit the first batter he saw and got taken back out. It's what, um, two pitches? So, but Rainey has looked okay. 
uh, to good. Finnegan has looked okay to good. Um, I think there's one other guys, and even some of their you know longer relievers uh, have done. You know, Espino's done okay for the most part. Um, and oh, what's his name? Uh, look at the pitching. This is one other guy. Victor Arano has had some good moments. Yeah, Victor Arano is currently leading the pitchers in WAR at point four with a two eight four five nine xFIP. He has a it's yeah stuck. negative. He has a negative FIP right now, so that's pretty good. And he had I think two more he, strikeouts tonight too, and I, nobody got on base. I think he'll be able to keep it. Yeah, so Arano, Doolittle, uh, Rainey has been good. Oh, Hunter Harvey. Hunter Harvey, yeah, definitely looked Joe, good. Intri- uh, you know, intriguing. Um, yeah, we'll have to see some of these guys. Obviously, Harvey's only one and two thirds innings, <laughs> so uh, not enough to really say anything for sure. But Harvey at least looked, you know, kind of felt like the Henry Rodriguez, but he looked not nearly as wild. So that's a, a good start. Uh, so yeah, the bullpen has had some positives. The rotation has not. Uh, the lineup has not really. So that's how you end up with a team like this. <laughs> yeah. Although I got to say, for as bad as we thought the bullpen was going to be. Yeah. And it, I don't know if necessarily thought it was going to be <clears throat> bad. I, I would have said it would be like average. Bull- I think it was going to be a fairly average Nats bullpen, which is also not. Which is good. bad. Yeah. <laughs> which I mean, I, I would say rephrase. it's bad. A tr- it was a true question mark. Yeah. It would have been, if you had put that on one of the good Nats teams, that would have been the big focus of, you know, yeah, I mean, they did get some guys in free agency, but is Doodle, C-Shack, Clifford, and Harris, is that really enough? And then it would become a big thing. Well, Clifford's not up yet. Harris is still injured. You know, they're going to make Rainey the closer, even though he, you know, that would be very, Rainey, the closer, would feel a lot like the Trinan angst in 2018. Uh, Trinan Solis, where they definitely pushed them to the top way too fast. Uh, but you know, on a team like this, it's like, okay, well, you know, that's probably going to be fine. It's not going to be good. They're not going to help them win, but they probably won't just be blowing every single game, which I think is what you want uh, with a team that's generally bad like this. The one thing you don't want is, oh, we finally, this is the day we finally had some decent starting pitching. Uh, we had some runs scored and then our bullpen blew it. And it's like, great. Are we ever, ever going to win a game? So like a night like tonight where they win a one nothing game uh, behind their best starting pitching performance of the season of six innings. Six uh, and a third. Six and a third. Uh, and having already used Doolittle and C-Sheck in the, the afternoon game. Um, so to, to still get those guys in there and keep the lead at one, nothing and actually win the game, you know, that that's fun for the fans. It's a nice feeling for the team. They can get a little, you know, excitement out of it. You know, it's going to still be a very long season, but what you absolutely do not want is a situation where they had that one, nothing lead. And then Finnegan and Rainey come in, and somehow now we've lost this game seven to one. 
Uh, I would just like to point out that a win tonight puts the Nats in second place in the NL East. <laughs> at six and seven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really just bad. The Phillies offense hasn't really hit. Schwarber's looked not good. Harper really weirdly because Harper was hitting well in the few spring games they had and then has not hit nearly as well uh, since the season has started uh, which is a problem because the Phillies are pretty much designed to hit the out offense everybody so win they, every game 9 to 8 tell, tell right. my fantasy team about it with all so that's three issue, of them. I, it's actually curious I'm going to pull I want to pull them up really fast um they're losing to bad teams too yeah yeah, but uh, the interesting thing is, um, so I want to see how many of their hitters, you know, because Castellanos is hitting well. Bomb so far, although he's only played half the game, but he's hit way better than you expected. Hoskins is hitting well. Segura is hitting well. Schwarber is not hitting well. Schwarber is hitting awfully. Uh, Real Muto and Harper are both hitting okay, but not, you know, good for them. Didi Gregorius is just below league average. So you say that, you think, okay, well, you're really besides Schwarber, not none of their other hitters are doing that badly. And, and most of them are doing quite well. And like, oh, okay, well, then that should be fine. But the point is that the way they built their team is they only have really good off. They have Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, and then and Zach Wheeler is hurt right now. Uh, but the point is that they need all of those guys hitting at their maximum to be a good team. So even just one guy like Kyle Schwarber being down and two guys like Harper and Real Muto being not quite as good as they can be, already you're not scoring enough runs. You're going to lose these games because your pitching staff isn't good enough. Uh, and that's kind of the issue when you build on those extremes. Um, you know, the Nets have seen that kind of on the reverse side where they've invested in the starting pitching a lot and then have you know 2015 and 2018 both times they weren't quite getting the results they needed on the starting pitching front it's like well if your whole team is built up on that being great you know if especially if you're going to cheap out on your bullpen because your starting pitching will be great but then your starting pitching is not that kind of ruins the whole team yeah. so uh, atlanta being not very good is weirder so Atlanta is just like giving up runs kind of all over the place. Yeah, which is odd because they invested a lot into that bullpen. So they are uh, just as behind they have the, the last couple of years in runs allowed per game. Yeah. Nats are at 5-4-5 is... before today, <laughs> and the Braves are sitting at just shy of 5-2. So, I mean, because they're they getting... Noah's big. been getting carpet bombed. I mean, Will Smith... It's been getting jiggy with getting up, giving up runs. Yeah, but I mean, their lineup is hitting like you kind of expect. Olsen, Riley, Ozuna hitting really well. Uh, Albi is hitting you know, really well as well. Um, not getting as much from Duvall or Darno as you probably would have hoped and definitely not getting you know, anything from Dan Sue Swanson, although you really shouldn't have expected to get anything from Dan Sue Swan- Swanson and then Obviously, Acuna Jr. is still injured, but probably getting enough from their lineup based on what their pitching staff was supposed to be uh, to be okay. You know, having Kenley Jansen and Darren O'Day, uh, 
Thornburg, I think, was supposed to be good. Um, and Will Smith uh, was also supposed to be a good relief pitcher. So they were supposed to have their rotation finally kind of figured out uh, compared to previous years. They finally kind of found the good young guys in it. Uh, and then guys like Max Fried look awful. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, <clears throat> to be fair, the, the runs allowed is a little misleading. So they've given up 62 runs so far this season. Yeah. 27 of them came in three games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's like the, the weird one is the nationals, I think still have a negative run differential. They had like before that Pittsburgh series or no, after the first Pittsburgh game where they beat Pittsburgh seven to two. And it's like, okay, they had a, they've played at that point, eight games, Two of them, they won eleven to two and seven to two, but then their run differential was negative twelve. <laughs> it's like, what the hell were you doing in those other six games? Yeah, they're still at like negative ten or negative eleven. Yeah. I think, yeah, they've kept it at least steady. So uh, we'll see. I, another po- another fun thing, uh, even if it's more just that the Atlanta and philadelphia are being inept then the nationals are doing anything good the more days the nationals can be ahead of them in the standings uh it's at least a little fun thing for the fans to to enjoy yeah um i think that's probably it right it's kind of looking at this point it's just waiting for either a miracle to happen or luis garcia to finally get called up Oh, uh, has there been any news on Strasburg and when he's potentially? Uh, Davey said today that he is not facing live batters or game situations. He's just throwing off the mound in Florida. Same with Joe Ross. Um, it, it might, they might have, it might be facing like live BP, like doing live BP still. He did do that uh, while the team was in spring training, uh, but he is not, He's not doing game situation pitching yet. So it is, we're at slower than regular spring training pace now, right? Because six weeks would have been yes. owish. Yes. Okay. So it Which, May 1st seems pretty unlikely yeah. at this point. Um, well, yeah, if he hasn't even thrown in a game yet, like he's got to get, what, two starts easy? You would need, uh, starting from cold flat, probably three starts yeah depending on yeah, exactly this... what his buildup has been i mean it's possible throwing he's been throwing off the mound not in a game situation but also throwing like 80 simulated pitches mm-hmm. and then yeah maybe two starts but it, you know it's going to take a couple starts before you get built up um only other interesting thing aaron sanchez has looked good so far starting in triple a uh and might be a candidate to jump into the rotation at some point uh, you know, he's been good in the past. He's kind of been used as a reliever the last couple of years because he has a lot of injury problems. Uh, but I think the Nats would be a good place to kind of give him another chance to be a starter. Uh, Anibal Sanchez, we haven't heard anything about him getting started at all. Um, and there's somebody else. Oh, Andrianza has not started doing anything yet, including running. So, uh, but yeah, Aaron Sanchez could be an interesting one uh, where they could actually have a starting pitcher 
who would be a good trade candidate in July, if he is able to come on and be healthy and look good, that would definitely be somebody, especially since he's had bullpen experience, you could definitely see a lot of contenders kind of be interested in people, especially teams like the Dodgers, uh, you know, where they've, you've seen that before where a team has had injuries in their rotation. It's like, okay, we need a starting pitcher to cover these games to make sure we don't lose too many. Uh, but we're pretty sure we're going to make the playoffs. So we also want somebody that when this good starting pitcher shows up, we can tell, get your ass to the bullpen and they won't be a baby about it. So somebody like Aaron Sanchez, who has already gone to the bullpen in the past for other teams uh, and definitely seems like somebody who's mostly just looking to get opportunities to be on playoff teams uh, would be if he's able to come in, have, have 10 starts or so, um, and look good in those, he'd definitely be a good trade piece. I'm going to go ahead and make this joke uh, every two weeks until the trade deadline. I have a guy who's done well in a bullpen and can also be in your starting rotation. He's only sitting on an eight ERA right now, uh, but it'll be fine. <laughs> the, the secret weapon? <laughs> hey, and he's left-handed and breathing. So like, hey, he's got to have a market. Oh, the, uh, I was trying to think of a good pun with cute, but I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, he's look god awful. Uh huh. Someone please. Well, he was okay his last start until the sixth inning started, and then he just completely just had massive explosive diarrhea all over himself. I mean, I just keep watching him, and I'm like, oh, so he's making it like two times through the rotation, and then can't find his ass. It's almost like he should be a long reliever. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's funny. I think right now, if you were trying to sell him, you'd just like put your thumb over it and you'd be like, okay, look, he's got a three, five, one fit. What are you covering up there? Nothing. <laughs> you said column said ERA. No, definitely not. I think that just says goodness. It's unrelated, unrelated statistics for a different pitcher. How uh... they put, in the middle of his statistics. How sad is it that his war number for this year already matches what he did for last year? Well, war <laughs> is not accounting the stat, so it's fair. You know, it's fair. It can go up and go down. It can go go right back down. But yikes. Seven and a half years. That that is definitely anything interesting to talk about the Nationals. Yeah, once we hit Patrick Corbin, we're out of things. So <laughs> once we have found that dead horse. All right. Uh with that, we will be back in two weeks. Until then, we are ghosts.